Hello and welcome to Switch It, the podcast that has always been a fan of the long barrier. Yes, after a rip-roaring finish to an otherwise tepid round of Blast quarterfinals, we will be looking forward to finals day, though not so much at the weather forecast, and reviewing a successful return to action for England's women as they beat the soggy conditions in Derby to seal a 5-0 series win over West Indies. To go through the thrills, the spills and the always fascinating data of the last two weeks of T20 madness, plus a little bit of Bob, I'm joined in the dugout by a couple of proper nuffies. ESPN UK uh, editor Andrew Miller, uh, who was there at the birth of it all back in 2003, and assistant editor Matt Roller, developed in a lab at around the same time precisely to help us understand the format. Qu- quick one to start with, uh, Miller, you were doing uh, comms as the Nottinghamshire and Leicestershire game came to a climax. What, the actual duck? Extraordinary, wasn't it? What, what, I mean, well, two, two things. Firstly, you'd have thought that... Uh a country that witnessed the nonsense of a boundary countback might have found a way to get get out of the situation whereby you end up with two teams scoring 239 for seven and you still have essentially boundary countback to decide who gets through to the next round. It was a, a nonsense way to decide an extraordinary game, but not half as nonsensical as those two misfields from Leicestershire. I mean, Jesus Christ. They were absolutely awful. I mean, I, I, felt, I felt for them. Aaron Lilly had a terrible time with the ball as well. He... You know, I think he bowled one over for 14 and really released the pressure that had been built up. And then even that over was nothing compared to the shocker at deep mid-wicket. I mean, Sam Samet was the only man who was going to save Nottinghamshire by this stage. Uh, he, he just knocked the ball out to the leg side. He honked it out to the leg side, to be fair. He was trying to find the boundary, but couldn't. He was only strolling through for the single because it was the last ball of the over. I think, what, seven balls to go, 17 to defend in the final over. Easy peasy. And, uh, yeah, he just bent down. Straight through his legs. I mean, it, it wasn't even going very quickly to him. It was, it was awful. And just that moment, I mean, you know, as as, uh, as Matt will doubtless um, wag his finger and point out, old blokes win stuff and you don't win anything with kids. But, uh, you know, they are the, the youngest team in the competition and, and it showed at that uh, at that moment. Um, they, they they just lost their bottle in that final over. And, and then, again, uh, Dieter Klein's um, misfield in the covers. Again, it was only really a single that was on. They needed to stop, um, stop Nottinghamshire getting back back for the second. But you know, Samet's one of the guys running between the wickets. It's you're always winning when it comes to a, a race to get the bales off. He just had to pick the ball up and get it in, and he didn't. And it was horrible. It was it was just really <laughs> grim to watch. And uh, you know, you, you talk metaphorically of the ground opening up and swallowing people. But I've never seen anyone want to just disappear quite as quickly as Klein there. Just the ball just vanished from beneath him. And he didn't even bother chase it. He just he just he just stood there and looked lost and realised I I blown it. That's it. Game over. Um, miserable. G- game over indeed. On uh, yes, the the margin of power play runs, which I mean to be, to be fair, Nottinghamshire seemed to know that was the case. They were they were celebrating as it happened. Uh, they were on the ball there. Um, one hundred and thirty nine for seven on both sides. Um, a, a, a tied result. We've had a. Some memorable ties in the last twelve months or so, um, but I mean, Matt, uh, you'd you'd written about the uh, the Knots team and and their experience. Miller mentioned old old blokes win stuff. Um, was that you know right at the end there? Was that the experience coming home and and uh, getting them over the line where Leicestershire just just couldn't quite uh, seal the deal? I mean, I feel like it's a bit of a push. I think they, given what a great position they were in, I mean, Leicestershire were 22 for two, was it, off the power play, which obviously ended up costing them, but they, they were absolutely nowhere in that game. Uh, and Knotts were, were cruising at the start as well, especially, I think, Chris Nash battered until the 10th over or so and looked like he was anchoring things. I think he's one of the older players and even in their side at 37. Um, and yeah, they not for, the, not for the first time. They really screwed up a run chase in a knockout game because they memorably lost uh, by a run to Worcestershire last year uh, in the semi-final in, in a sort of similarly uh, nightmarish collapse where uh, none of the old-timers could get bat on ball. Um, and then, yeah, this year this year it was a uh, little better. But, yeah, Samet just, uh, I suppose, came good at the end. I think, well, Dan Christian said at the end, actually, that he was almost um, fearful about the fact that Samet had faced so few balls in the competition because he's been coming in at number eight, um, 
given how, how deep they bat. Um, and Imad, who bats six or seven sometimes for Pakistan, has been down at number nine. So they've got such a wealth of batting that it means that those guys have almost not faced as many balls as you might have expected. But yeah, Samet's sort of muscle memory kicked in, I suppose, and he launched one over extra cover and eventually dragged them home. Indeed, and uh, I mean, uh, it, it was a it was a sort of bona fide classic Miller, um, one of those finishes like Christian hobbling through um, on on finals day, uh, Christian again, <laughs> all that experience back uh, about a decade ago now, I think that that one. Um, I mean, given, given the nature of the first three games yesterday, uh, one sided wins for Surrey, Lancashire, and Gloucestershire, there might have been a little bit of trepidation over at Sky Towers uh, about shoving the IPL off the schedules in favour of Notts Leicester but it, it came it came out alright in the end. <laughs> well indeed I mean you know it wasn't looking so promising when it was 22 for 2 in the power play it was like you know I, I remember messaging messaging you guys on, on Slack before it started saying let's, let's hope it's not quite such a damp squib as the ones that you'd all been to that morning but uh, yeah it was looking like an absolute honker but um I mean, Leicester should dug themselves out of it. I mean, fair, fair play to to Colin Ackerman. To be, I thought he was the he was the outstanding performer on 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 either side with bat and ball in in his case. Although uh, Harry Swindles played a blinder as well, just um, you know finding finding the tempo to give them something to defend. Fifty eight from forty three he made in the end, and you know got to that point where from twenty two for two in the power play, you, you're thinking, well, they're going to be lucky to get to a hundred at this rate because they were losing wickets as well, but. Uh, you know, to get to 140, put 140 on the board, and again playing in October in these, in 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 late season, that clearly the pitch was sticky. The pitch wasn't quite the, the the belter that we've come to expect from Trent Bridge all the all these years, and uh, you just wondered if 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 Leicester could hold their nerve and 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 get the key wickets, um, they they were in it, and you know it it was it was actually, a, you know they they got they got the early breakthrough, Alex Hales, uh, beauty from Parkinson to bowl him and. Obviously, Hales hasn't performed quite as well in this tournament as he had been at the start of the start of the year. But um, it was it was a bit of a bit of a jolt. You just you just you just sense that you know they can just stay in it to the to the bitter end. Runs on the board in the first first round of matches ever to be played in October in the in in county cricket. Um, you never know what's going to happen, and uh, well, you certainly didn't know what was going to happen. But I didn't quite expect it to happen quite the way it did. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, 150 years since a county game in uh, took place in October, I think. But um, yes, this was thoroughly modern stuff. Um, uh, uh, Matt, the uh, George pointed out in his in his match report that Leicestershire are arguably the uh, the bigger side in this format. Uh, three time only team to win <laughs> the uh, domestic T Twenty Cup three times uh, in England. Although it's been a while since that last title. I mean, it 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 is kind of a shame we for the romance of the the competition all that that we won't be talking about Callum Parkinson and Gavin Griffiths and Harry Swindles uh, tomorrow at finals day. Yeah, I mean, I suppose part of the nature of the blast and the sort of the coverage it gets where the group stage rumbles on in the background for most of the summer and then finals day comes to the climax is that not much ends up getting written about um, losing quarter finalists. But yeah, I think Leicester sort of ended up having a pretty good season, all told. Um, they, they've been the whipping boys of county cricket for a couple of years, but um, seem to have injected some kind of life into the into the squad they've got a sort of youngish core um that have been together for a year or two now um i i think they might make a couple of signings over the winter as well they've got a new ceo um and things are looking up um i spoke to to paul nixon before their quarterfinal who was sort of typically bullish about them being the best prepared the hardest working side in the competition all this stuff and how they were using their minds as a super strength um you know, whereas other teams had cover drives or uh, fielding as their super strength, maybe you could have done with fielding actually. Um, <laughs> theirs was their sort of the, the power of the thoughts, uh, the power of the mind, all this sort of thing. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't too far from from playing out last night. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure there'll be a, a little more fielding practices to come over the winter. Um, we've mentioned the the other games. Um, I mean, sorry, have a bit of a strut about them in T20 having won eight in a row now um I mean, there, there was a, a little bit of a concern around the ground I, I was there at the Oval yesterday um a, a score of 169 for two is one of those those funny ones when it looks like a, a decent total but if you've only lost two wickets in getting there there's always that sort of slight nagging doubt if you've gone hard enough and I think 
Um, Sorry went into uh, into that game having won six out of seven chasing. Um, and Kent, I think, clearly um, viewed that as their best route to, to knocking them out. Um, but in the end, Miller, I mean, Surrey are a, a, a team packed with international class. They've got all their England players back now. Well, most of them, actually. Some are off at the IPL. Uh, plenty of players back from injury. Uh, lots of avail- availability there. Uh, and they've been on a good run in this competition and in the end that was it that was a pretty comprehensive win for them too absolutely i mean you you look down that team sheet that took the field yesterday and and, and basically it, you know with the exception of, of laurie evans maybe that you know it's 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 present internationals past internationals or future internationals it's uh, an extraordinary extraordinary run of run of names from top to bottom there and um yeah, as you say, this 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 partnership, 114 run stand in the best part of 13 overs, and as we had on the site the other day, this is this is not a done thing anymore. Partnerships are rapidly coming out of vogue in 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 T20 cricket. But you know, where where when that partnership involves Roy and Amler, you you would you would rather back them to be them to get it right. I mean, Roy's had a weird summer, hasn't he? He's not he's not got it right. He's 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 his form hasn't quite. Uh, Recovered from lockdown, and um, he, he was scratching around a bit in the international leg of the of the summer. But you know, time in the middle for a guy like Jason Roy is almost as important as as anything else um, in in these circumstances. Going into the semi final with 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 important runs under his belt, and Hashim Amla seventy three not out. So there's there's all all sorts of reasons to believe that you know, sorry, will be strutting their way once again. I mean, it's they 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 bossed that one from start to finish. Really, Kent just. Yeah, never got a look in. I was, I was watching. Uh, obviously, you, 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 you watched it more closely than I did. But Will Jacks's four wickets. I watched them back on 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 YouTube <laughs> just now, and um, I wasn't that impressed with 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 um. Well, certainly Zach Crawley just uh, toe ended a long hop by the looks of it. So, I mean, it looked as though I, Kent I, gave it away <laughs> as much as anything. But um, you know, I guess when runs on the board, a bit of pressure uh, starts to tell in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a bit of a, a stoppy pitch by that stage. Uh, it w- it was a used wicket, and Surrey kind of packed their their bowling effort up front with spin. Um, Matt talking of Jacks. Um, I mean, he's had a sort of a breakthrough campaign, really. But it had been uh, th- through his batting at the top of the order opening. In fact, um, he was shunted down with um, Roy and Amla both available. Um, but chipping in with four fifteen was is another way to make your name. Yeah, I mean, he, he. I think he was one of the players that people might have thought would have broken through last summer, actually, and was sort of. Uh, I think he 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 had a sort of okay competition um, where he was he was scoring very quickly, but just finding ways to get out early on. Um, but yeah, this year he seems to to really be flourishing and uh, you know looking like the the future England international that he's been talked up as. I think there are. Uh, definitely, as with quite a few players of that generation, you know Tom Banton, Dan Lawrence. I think there are there are sort of shades of KP uh, in this sort of tall, it, it, you know, very tall stance, whips a lot through the leg side, um, good against the short ball, that sort of thing. Um, so I th- I think he's he's definitely to, one to look out for. Um, but what I would say with Surrey is that we we shouldn't. Um, everyone's been talking about their sort of eight win streak. Uh, their their opponents in the semi Gloucester have sort of been written off a bit, but I think they're eight wins from their last nine, uh, with one sort of end of end of group blip against Glamorgan in there, uh, and I think this is their their first finals day since two thousand and seven. But it's with a, a core of a squad that's been there at that club for sort of five or six years, um, clearly sort of know each other inside out and have a sort of a, a pretty similar formula to Surrey really in that they have a lot of pace off in the middle. Um, two spinners in Smith and Van Buren and then Benny Howes nagging change-ups and cutters and all that sort of thing. So uh, I, I don't think that if that game does happen, obviously, with a nod to the weather, um, it will be a walkover by any stretch. Yeah, I, I, I like the look of, of Gloucestershire. They obviously you know, talk about the, the, the pace-off and change-ups and the rest. It reminds me of their glory days back you know, with, you know, uh, the freak Harvey and Elaine and Jack Russell standing up the stumps. There's there's a lot of similarities in the again that was a that was a very experienced side that that had, that had uh, played together for a long time and and come good at the right time. And uh, you know I I'd love to see them go all the way because you know everyone wants to see the you know the bigger the bigger counties get a bloody nose on these on these these occasions and Gloucestershire uh, you know fighting for recognition at all times and you know and Benny Howell's return as well is that's a glorious uh, comeback. Obviously missing a year. With injury and uh, well, he's he's been a freak show since he came back. Th- three 
three Trixie wickets yesterday and what, what was it, 49 from 18 balls uh, to, to give uh, Somerset the hurry up the other day. It's um, there's there's plenty, plenty that he's done right and and you know just adds a bit of a spark to to what they offer, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. They are the the dark horses, aren't they, for for this um, final stage? A bit reminiscent of them them winning the the Royal London Cup of five or six years ago. I think um, similar um, squad makeup. But I mean, uh, those those names you've mentioned there. There's got like, quite a lot of kind of cult cricketers down at, at, at Gloucester Way. Um, Benny Howe being sort of prominent among them, among them. Brian Higgins, uh, uh, Tom Smith has had a good competition. Um, Jack Taylor, who sort of is now a converted hitter from being an off spinner, uh, who banned several times, I think, for his action. But you know, we we won't dwell on that. I mean, Howell, Matt, he he seems very he's he's quite open about his methods. He's quite keen to chat about how he thinks he's underrated. He's entered, I think, a lots of the um, the franchise drafts around the world and and sort of not really got a look in. Um, but still, no one can make him out on the pitch, and 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 he still seems to do the business. With this sort of a range of cutters and and slower balls and and back of the handers and and uh, disco balls and <laughs> whatever, <laughs> he he should be absolutely perfect for a sort of uh, you know slow low late season edge bast and wicket, especially if there's big square boundaries. Um, and yeah, to be honest, I think all four of these teams, given how many sp- sort of spin and pace off options they have, would probably rather finals day was Baden, you know Nagpur or Madras rather than. Birmingham um but yeah I mean I, I I'm a big Benny Howe fan I think there's a lot of people who are in county cricket um you know especially the fact that he's sort of now found that extra gear with the bat that he probably didn't necessarily always have I think he's, he's done a lot of work on his power hitting he, he sees himself as a white ball specialist and um yeah I think his his numbers over the last few years have been exceptional for probably four or five seasons in the blast but yeah I don't know who knows whether he'll he'll sort of ever make the step up to um, really starring in a franchise league. I, I don't think he'll probably play for England at this point. Um, just, I think he's sort of 30 or 31 now. Um, so it's, it seems relatively unlikely that someone will sort of take that big punt on him. Um, but, you know, I, I, there's no shame in, in being a very good county bowler and, and potentially winning some, some more silverware for Gloucestershire. Old blokes win stuff. Uh, we're back to that. Uh, it's probably a bit too late to organise the sort of uh, fly-in bio bubble for for finals day to coincide with uh, the IPL kind of a double header style, triple quadruple header style uh, by tomorrow. But that's that's the uh, that's an idea for for next year. Um, Matt, you were down at Hove yesterday. Um, Lancashire, two thousand fourteen champions. They uh, they sort of uh, brushed aside the hosts, uh, perhaps more easily than than was to be expected. They're sort of banking on a on a blend of youth and experience and and a couple of young spinners to the fore. Yeah, it was it was a really weird game actually because it it was played on a hybrid pitch and everyone thought it was going to be a belter because the the general perception has been playing against Lancashire that you need to to prepare a flat track and sort of negate their spinners because they bowl more spin than anyone else. Um, and have have you know good young spinners as you say in Matt Parkinson and Tom Hartley, um, plus Liam Livingston and Stephen Croft, so they can bowl sixteen overs of spin if they need to. So I was expecting it to be a complete road, and when I heard it was a hybrid pitch, which have typically been bouncy and high scoring, I thought you know one eighty one nineties par. And when Lancashire posted one forty, I thought this is you know this looks twenty or so light, even though it does seem a little slower than uh, anticipated. And yeah, then. All of a sudden, Lancashire came out and just looked brilliant in the field. I think they, they took the, the two early wickets in the power play um, and then their spinners came on and took eight for 50 between them and nine and a bit overs. And Sussex looked, um, you know, utterly at sea, um, had had no sort of option to get off strike at any point. They didn't rotate, um, whereas Lancashire had just about managed to with Villas in particular. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty pretty soft way for Jason Gillespie's uh, reign as head coach to end. Um, and to be honest, you know, a lot of nice things are written about Gillespie because he has been a, a great servant to the county game over the last few years. But I, th- I think it's not necessarily been all smiles and roses in his time at Sussex. I think, you know, they've kind of been in transition while he's been there. And uh, I think it'll be a disappointment for them that they've, they've not won something uh, during his reign especially sort of reaching home quarterfinals in the last two years in the blast and then, uh, you know, not really performing on the day. I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess Sussex is a bit unlucky <clears throat> as well with the 
with the timing of the tournament because you know in previous previous years of course they they arguably had the strongest uh, attack in world world t20 with uh, well obviously obviously got jordan and, and archer and rashid khan and and Tamar Mills, who was there, um, you know, throw throw that in on, on in an ordinary um, year, and um, and you're always brawling. But unfortunately, that yeah, they, they've uh, they've been rather cherry picked by the IPL this time round, and uh, uh, a little bit lacking resources. But uh, you know, you've got to cut your cloth accordingly in these strange times, haven't you? Yes, I was going to say uh, that the the Gillespie era coming to a close, never quite the same success as uh, during his time at Yorkshire. Um, but uh, he is obviously off to South Australia. And, uh, well, I think we have an interview, I think, coming with him on the site with uh, with Valkyrie. Um, and, uh, I, I, well, I won't reveal too much, but I'm sure there'll be some good stuff in there about his plans to come back and uh, such like. Um, he does uh, seem to like the county game. Um, Matt, what happened this year to... The champions, Essex. I, 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 I remember this time last year, around finals day last year, you were all ready to sort of uh, uh, lay into them with your piece on the final itself, and and they squeaked through. But I mean, it was a pretty, um, a pretty soggy defence from them this time round. And uh, well, you know, you, you can uh, <laughs> run the rule over them now. Well, I I think there were probably signs last year that they, as you say, came up on the blind side and just had the, had one of those runs that occasionally happens in a T Twenty tournament where a team just clicks at the back end um, and wins everything. I think they needed a whole host of results to go their way, as well as winning their last few games in the group last season. Um, and you know, the, the pitch on finals day completely suited them uh, with a, again similarly a whole load of pace off options. Uh, and Ravi Bapara had a brilliant uh, run of five games with the bat. He's obviously been a huge loss um, this season. Uh, he, he didn't score many runs with Sussex, but the experience he brings to that team is, has been huge over the years. Um, I guess Delport and Tenderskarta, two senior batsmen, didn't really have particularly good seasons. And then the loss of um, their two overseas bowlers in Amir and Zampa has been a big factor as well. So... Yeah, they just they just never really seem to get going, and I think there are a few teams like that where you know I think especially when the when the group stage is squeezed to ten games rather than the usual fourteen. If you lose the first two or three, then all of a sudden it's a real battle to get into the quarters, um, and I think that's just what happened for them. They started badly, and it didn't really get much better. Indeed, well, they they had other things to console them. We'll, we'll take a, a detour into the Red Bull, um, Miller, the, the the Bob Willis Trophy, uh, the inaugural and perhaps the the one and only that was concluded um, last weekend. Essex uh, went off with the spoils again. There, fourth first class trophy in five years, I think. Um, I mean, uh, they'll be pretty happy with that, won't they? It's a bit of a, a Red Bull dynasty being built down at Chelmer. Yeah, they're ecstatic with it. I mean, you could you could see from Tom Wesley talking about it afterwards. I mean, it's right up there for them. They they don't they don't see it as a diminished trophy in any sense. They 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 had came in with a reputation as the best Red Bull team in the country, and they had to beat or not lose to the second best consistently Red Bull team in the country to to win the trophy. I mean, you you, you know whatever whatever way you want to dissect the Bob Willis Trophy and complain about aspects of it. You cannot argue that the cream rose to the top, and and we were we weren't given a a random final containing two bolters that that got a bit lucky with the rain. We had the two best teams in the country going hammer and tongs. To be fair, and in, in what when, had it not been for uh, unfortunate losses of key moments to rain, I think we'd have had an absolute cliffhanger. It was it was basically set up by Alistair Cook with a throwback performance that that was just you know the most fluent batting I've ever witnessed him. In his entire career, you know, you know when his cover drive is is being nailed, you know that he is just on a different plane, and he 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 was nailing it with with glee and with freedom and with all the sorts of things you never really associate with him. But at the same time, you've you've got Somerset battling to stay afloat with with Lamanby's century in that second innings was was an extraordinary statement of intent from from a guy who really has seized his opportunity. And you know it's been in keeping with many of the themes of this tournament. Actually, is that the the lack of jeopardy in that there's no promotion relegation and obviously no overseas players as well has given opportunities to kids that probably would not have happened. I you know for all that you would want to trust someone like Lamanby or, or or most of the the seam attack that took the took the field for for Lancashire say 
you probably wouldn't. You, you your prudence and 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 bottom lines and and desperation to get the get whatever whatever financial rewards you might get for finishing sixth rather than fifth rather than seventh in the in 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 the table. They all count, and this year they didn't, and so there was an opportunity to roll the dice a bit and have a bit of, bit of a play around and build for the future. A lot of teams took that opportunity, and a lot of teams were rewarded by some exceptional performances, and, and Lamanby is very much uh, up there with, with the best of them. Um, so, you know, even in even though Somerset will be feeling sore about the circumstances, you know, the first, you know, the first innings lead was ultimately decisive because it meant that uh, Essex could close down that game when perhaps they might have been forced to scrap a bit harder um even though somerset may be feeling sore about that they will feel as though they've 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 regenerated a little bit this this season you know in previous years they've lost marcus Driscothic and dom bess and jamie overton are moving on as well so there's always been this atrophy to to somerset so you always worry that you know small club always going to get cherry picked by bigger clubs and and perhaps not be able to build a dynasty but you know they've got guys coming through they've, they've got that captured area in the in, in 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 the southwest that that will always gravitate to taunton and they've shown by trusting youth and trusting the ability to regenerate i mean tom abel he, he was a kid only a few days ago and he he's already captain it's uh they, they, they've got they've got something going on down there that will carry on happening with any luck um so yeah i i was i was i was pleasantly surprised by how the bob willis trophy came together i i know uh other correspondents at Crickinfo may 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 question its its value and the and the conference system and all the other things, but I, I've got a lot of time for it. I, I I would I would not be upset to see this sort of county championship rejig for the future because ultimately it, you know you look back to the Sheffield Shield and I know you don't want to compare too much with how it goes in Australia, but they've never they've never really struggled for for having six teams playing each other. And the top two playing off for a, for a final uh, that that has high profile. There's an awful lot that that has been done right with that sort of a system, and there's an awful lot that could be done right, uh, given the chance to play the Bobbleless Trophy. Perhaps not as late as the last week of September. Um, again, that's something that would have to come up in the future because there is this talk of super super September and all the other gubbins that goes into that. But I have no issue with the five day final at Lords to decide the best county's team of the, of, of in the country uh, it, it's a showpiece that first class cricket desperately needs and uh, i can't see a reason to to think that in itself it's a bad thing super september indeed that is uh, sort of what's being um uh, dubbed as a potential structure uh, possibly just for next year possibly a 2021 kind of a, again a contingency thing with um three regional divisions um that ultimately if you if you end up with a, with a one-off game to decide the trophy that's where traditionalists uh, county championship lovers get uh, in a bit of a pickle isn't it with uh, this idea that, that the best team should be uh, crowned over the course of their performances over the course of the season uh, rather than kind of the conditions of a one-off game matt i mean did the did that result going to essex on first innings lead did that sort of support that view i mean obviously there you have to have some way of uh, dividing it um, dividing the teams unless you decide to share the trophy of course yeah, I don't know. I thought maybe I, I'm speaking with huge bias as a Somerset follower, of course, but may I don't know, maybe I thought that the final day of that game could have been uh, more exciting if a shared trophy had been on the line. I think it would have been nice to see Essex sort of going for those runs, especially because they were kind of in touching distance rather than uh, sort of dropping anchor in the gloom. Um, but equally, I think uh, this is probably that, that's probably the right way to decide it over a longer season, isn't it? Um, I suppose there was a slight frustration in um, in the uh, in the fact that this was a short and one-off thing, and it's a, a trophy that isn't the county championship that they couldn't have shared it because I think that would have been a, a perfectly fitting end if if the game had been drawn. Um, maybe over a longer season, you, I think the Sheffield Shield has done it quite often that the team that finishes with more points in the group stage wins the trophy. Regard if if the game is drawn, regardless first innings, which I think is quite a nice um, a nice alternative. Um, so maybe that would make more sense if that does become a sort of a regular a thing, a, a first class final. Um, you know, it's similar to Miller, I don't I don't hate it. Um, 
I think more than anything, we just need to avoid the, the situation that we've had over the past five or ten years, probably, where you're changing the format every other year to the extent that there's, you know, unequal divisions and uneven promotion and relegation. And it's not that easy to follow for casual fans thinking, you know, how many teams go up? It's surely two divisions of nine like it always was and two up, two down. But instead, it's an eight and a ten and you don't play everyone twice and all this sort of thing which I think is just sort of, you know, uh, pointless fudging and confusing. Um, so I, I, I fear that whatever happens next year with the conference system, we're going to continue to have more of a fudge, more confusion, more um, speculation about what the format will be in future rather than sort of drawing a line and saying for the next three, four, five seasons, this is what we're doing. We've decided it. It's voted in full stop. Um, I think that would be a, a better uh, a better decision in the long term as much as anything. Wouldn't be county cricket, of course, if it wasn't getting itself in a twist about these matters. Um, talking of shenanigans and, and talking of um, sort of COVID-enforced regulations, um, the, the other notable bit of uh, Red Bull-related news emerging in the last day or so, Mitch Clayton's ball-tampering ban. Uh, one of the greats, this... Um, uh, caught applying uh, hand sanitizer to the ball. Um, eventually, he came clean, it seems, and uh, he was hit with a, 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 a nine-match ban for his troubles. I think uh, once it was all totted up, Sussex banned him internally as well. Uh, he missed the, the quarterfinal yesterday, uh, after which the ECB um, kind of let on as to why he wasn't around. And um, he will miss a couple of games at the start of next summer as well. Um, Miller, what what is this uh, What is this nonsense? Again, what the actual duck? <laughs> oh, it's, it's priggish nonsense, isn't it? Nine matches. I mean, absolute nonsense. I mean, who... who, who... Who actually gets worked up about ball tampering in this day and age, let alone with hand sanitizer? I mean, it's it's just comical. I mean, I I I, I flagged it. We often have this um, with the within the ESPN internal um, workings. Uh, you know, you you flag the big cricket stories, you flag the quirky cricket stories to to put on the multi-sport pages because you know sometimes uh, your, your bog standard um, blast quarterfinal report isn't isn't going to be the thing that that rings the bell for non-cricket fans, but the notion of a of a man being banned for ball tampering with hand sanitizer during a pandemic is just comical. I mean, you know, leave leave aside the rights and wrongs of it. It's it's just hilarious. And I, I have I have absolutely no idea whether it worked or not. Um but I I cannot get exercised by ball tampering. I never have, I never will. I, I, I think it's an absolute nonsense. It, it's a moralistic, bombastic pile of anti-diluvian nonsense that that, that that really should have been should have been given the boot when when Botham and Lamb lost their court case in 1992. It 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 has absolutely no relevance to how we talk about cricket in this day and age. I mean, cricket has moved way 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 beyond looking at how you manipulate the ball as nefarious or not. I mean, if you can turn the ball into a into a bendy comet just by the sleight of hand and and casual use of your fingernails and all the other things, good for you. I bloody can't. Most most people <laughs> who pick up a cricket ball can't. I mean, I, I applaud anyone who finds a way to make a cricket ball do things that confuse batsmen. That's what you're meant to do. But, you know, it's, it's a bit like, like saying Bertie Bosenkett and bowling a googly is, is immoral. It's not immoral. It's just talent. It's a different form of talent if you're able to make a cricket ball do things that it, that it wouldn't otherwise do unless you had managed to apply some sort of skill to make it do that. So yeah, I, I I'm all I'm all for ball tampering with hands sanitizer because it's hilarious. But equally, if it means that you're able to get the ball to move off the straight and narrow, then then bring it on. <laughs> well, in these batsman-dominated times, uh, Matt, surely worth giving the bowlers back something. Yeah, well, I actually saw a um a screen grab from Izzy Westbury, who's been commentating on the the Middlesex Championship or uh, Bob Willis Trophy games, I should say, um, which was the one that Clayton got done in. Uh, and she'd posted at the time, saying it, sort of noting the the sort of burgundy coloured stain on Clayton's shirt, saying, "Was this the product of a long lunch with a little bit too much claret uh, during a rain delay, or or has he got some kind of magic trick with the ball?" So I think Izzy may have noticed it before anyone else did. Um, you know, maybe even in, inadvertently flagged it to the CDC disciplinary panel or or some such, and uh, you know, got got Paul Mitch in 
uh, in a bit of trouble. But yeah, it, it, it was a bit weird. I think that the communications around it were weird as well. The fact that sort of Sussex made one passing reference to it and then we were told after the quarterfinal had finished that he'd been banned from it was, was very strange. So I don't know, maybe there's something deeper at, at play. But yeah, I, I struggle to get too worked up about the idea, especially because I'm sure during test matches there were sort of sanitising wipes when the ball had been... Um, yeah, touched well, by a road. Well, if 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 you put saliva start. on the ball, they bring out the wipes anyway. So they, yeah. they, 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 you get the umpires <laughs> to do your ball tampering for you. So so Mitch was maintaining the position of the ball, <laughs> uh, you know, which is allowed uh, under the laws. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, I'm sure that won't be the last we we hear of that. Um, let's let's now switch back to the international game um, with England women's much anticipated return to action for the first time since the T20 World Cup in March um, first of all Miller it was just good to see them getting a run out really after Covid threatened to leave them without any cricket this summer at all wasn't it just I mean you know we, we've, we've um, been looking at the at the finances of English cricket and the and how important it was that the men got back on the field just to make sure that the game was able to go on but the fact that women got back on as well is, is amazing to be perfectly honest because you know they're, they're in at a time when the ECB have been desperately trying to balance up the 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 importance of saving the game financially but also saving the game from from the from the holistic point of view and and all the efforts they've made in participation and growing the women's game especially since the world world cup in 2017 and you know Tom Harrison has been very vocally supportive of the fact that the, 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 the women are a massive part of English cricket going forward because you know they're going to be the hundred is built around women's and men's teams as well it's a recognition that you know let's face it half of the potential uh, playing stocks in any given country are going to be female therefore it, it's it, there's a huge incentive to build up the women's game but you can't build up the women's game at the moment in a pandemic if uh, a, there's no money coming in. B, there's no teams coming in. <laughs> but somehow, yet again, West Indies rode to the rescue as they did with the men. Agreed to come over for the for their five matches, and they were they were great fun actually. I mean, it was they were they were all very similar apart from that last ludicrous five over thrash, which just went completely mad. Um, but they were all very similar. West Indies were briefly competitive, probably until the ten over mark in the field with each of them, and then fell apart. And then England would win by about forty seven runs each time. It was a uh, it was it was a fairly formulaic, but there were some great subplots. Uh, I, you know, um, Valkyrie's written about the England's spin triplets who've, who've really come to the party with Sarah Glenn in, in particular, impressing for me. I mean, Sophie Eccleston, we know that she's amazing, and she has been since she was about two. I mean, what she's 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 I think she's been on on the scene for about four or five years already, and she's still only twenty one, which is incredible. Uh, but Sarah Glenn really giving the ball air and really tempting. People like Deandra Dottin, you know, it must must take some nerve to toss the ball up above Dottin's eye line with with knowing quite what she can do to you if you connect. But more often than not, she she got better better of everyone she bowled at, and um, I was intrigued too that she was planning to open the batting in the final in, final innings of the game. Had it not been reduced to five overs, she would have done. It's uh, you know England have got a got a real star there, and uh, so that was that was another great thing to see come out of it. But yeah, just the simple fact they got on the field was 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 amazing and really gratifying. And uh, you know, I I do worry that other countries are not going to have the opportunities that that England's women do. I mean, Australia and New Zealand, likewise, they're playing at the moment, and and they too have got the support of boards that that back them and and want them to be um, real assets to the sport going forward. But I don't feel as though. The rest of the nations necessarily have the same support, even though you know Courtney Walsh has just been announced as a, as West Indies women's coach. So um, there, there's a big name uh, being thrown into their ring. But um, it's difficult times for women's game, especially in light of uh, you know the, the eighty thousand people at the MTG back in March. It, it, it's it, it's to get any cricket on since then has been fantastic because we know quite what it can be when it when it when it's at its best. Yeah, I mean, that seems a long time ago, that uh, game at the MCG. Um, Tom Harrison and the ECB have, have rightly talked up their commitment and um, the support they've shown this summer, uh, retainer contracts and, and then extra funding for the game. Um, but it, yeah, the, as Miller sort of alludes to, the concern is 
worldwide. Um, I mean, Matt, is is this where the ICC, you know, in an ideal world, would be able to step in and play a a bigger role, perhaps with some sort of fund for the women's game, um, as they have done in the past with kind of uh, supporting um, Test cricket. Yeah, I mean, I think Heather Knight called for something pretty similar in an interview um, you did with her before the series. It's, um, I think, more generally outside of cricket as well. We talk about the pandemic sort of accelerating um, already present trends financially. And I think you very much see that um, within the women's game. I think that, you know, you can all, you were already seeing in that T20 World Cup the, the, the difference between the haves and the haves not, have-nots in terms of um, which boards were and weren't prioritising investment in the women's game um australia obviously the dominant force because of how much cricket australia has poured into um that side of the sport um and there is a bit of a fear that you know this is that the west indies side i think won the 2016 t20 world cup or maybe world t20 as it was then um and i think they lost 5-0 in india uh at the end of last year they lost 5-0 here um and really dotin who's been around for a long time now. I think she was. I think she scored a hundred in the two thousand and ten World T Twenty. So she's been on the scene for the best part. Of, you know, over a decade now. Was the only batter who looked sort of particularly competent. That break, the breakout star, Haley Matthews, sort of didn't fire at all. Um, so there, there are reasons for concern. Um, but from the England point of view, in terms of the sort of the the more micro level and catching up with Australia, I think there was at least some room for encouragement with a couple of young players in Glenn and also Amy Jones in her new finisher role, um, providing room for encouragement that there is actual depth um, within the game and that it's not just the sort of Knight, uh, Siver, Beaumont axis that's been around for so long, Brunt, Shrubsall, um, that's that, that England are going to rely on. Yeah, we we saw a little bit of that as well in the the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy, which um, uh, again credit to the ECB for getting that on, and and the televised final on Sky, George Adams, um, uh, the the standout performer in that competition. Um, Miller, England uh, sort of came into this series uh, obviously just keen to get back on the field, but they they had this kind of stated aim of um, of turning the bio bubble into demolition derby for just over a week um this sort of throwing the first punch um mantra which i i'm, I'm pretty sure are kind of half a dozen of them used in in post or, or, or pre-match kind of press conferences at one stage or another um they didn't quite nail it, it it's fair to say i think with the batting um but uh, some somewhat fitful performances but um uh, you know, there's a, they've clearly got a plan for how they want to develop as a, as a T20 side. Um, obviously, Australia are somewhere out ahead. It's probably fair to say um, in the format uh, around the world in the women's game. But um, there's going to be uh, you know a, a, another women's T20 World Cup in, a, a, I think, in 2022 as well as a 50 over World Cup. Um, so you know, the, the, they've got the, they've got time to prepare for for the next um, shot at glory there. Yeah, I thought they were just a bit frantic. To be perfectly honest, I mean, you know, I thought I thought um, Beaumont in particular. I mean, she had one good innings, I think, but she she was talking in in the build up. Uh, spoke she spoke to Valkyrie again, and uh, she was admitting that she felt a little bit unsettled by what happened in the in the World T Twenty when she got shunted down from opening to be that finisher that Amy Jones be, became. I mean, it's kind of a cautionary tale for all the talk about moving Joss Butler down to to, to finishing because if you are not if you're not trusted to be the best batsman in the team and you end up coming in in the middle order and maybe don't get a hit very often then suddenly you have to swing a bit too hard too soon and and you end up getting low scores and intermittent opportunities suddenly your 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 bubbles burst a little bit isn't it so so i felt that i felt that um having been restored to the top of the order beaumont was kind of going a little bit too hard too soon and and obviously danny wyatt the other end her, she's made her career out of going too hard too soon which uh Every now and again comes off, but it pretty consistently in this series it didn't come off. So um, it really came down to Nat Sivers' street smarts. And I thought, um, as well, um, Heather Knight, I, I thought she had a magnificently calm series. She She's a she's an incredibly impressive cricketer. I mean, I remember watching her in um, in the, what was it, the Ashes Test in 2013 at Wormsley. It's an absolute dog of a pitch. And uh, she she just ground out a tedious hundred and fifty, and 
barely gone off the square. And I thought, you know, fine. She's got she's got lots of temperament and can hang around forever. But I never really saw her as a dasher. But she she's just she's just added added power to her game. She can clear the ropes at will now, and she doesn't do it by by going hard and trying to trying to blaze for glory. She she just plays good shots and 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 plays good shots at the right moments and. You know her her influence, and it was it was notable. You know it didn't come off in that five over thrash, but the fact that she and and Siva were the two that that came out to bat at the at the start of that five over thrash was a kind of acknowledgement that they are the two most calm and properly behaved batsmen in the team at the moment. And you know there's plenty of opportunity for Beaumont in particular, I think, as a magnificent cricketer, to to chill out and 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 take it take it a little bit more, not 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 so much more time, but just just more time on each shot i suppose is the key thing isn't it they 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 have got i suppose it must be daunting going up against australia every world every world cup they go to and know that uh, Elise perry or Alicia healy or someone else has just turned it up another notch and has zoomed off into the distance with with extra skills and extra shots and extra power but you know there there's the bare bones of what england have got here that uh, can certainly compete especially because as mentioned before they have got this this gift of a trio of spinners, age twenty one and twenty two, who will be the absolute bedrock of that side for the next decade. So, England have got plenty to build on. Um, they just got, I think, in my opinion, they just need to calm down and 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 not get quite so manic too soon. I thought personally, one one slight frustration I had was the fact that not many of the fringe players got much of an opportunity later in the series. I think having gone three 0 up, um, you know, I don't want to sort of. I think it's probably a bit harsh to, to reprise Jonathan Liu's excellent Guardian piece and, and call it England's wasted summer when they only have five T20s to play. But there was, there was a slight feeling of that when I think, you know, Freya Davis, who's the sort of the next seamer off the ranks, got one over in the five over game. Uh, Katie George didn't play. Kate Cross didn't play. And you're sort of thinking, I, I don't know, I, I felt we know what Anya Shrubsall and Catherine Brunt can do. Why not um, give some fresh blood an opportunity? And I suppose the counter argument is, they only get five internationals to play in the summer. It's it's pretty tough on someone to to leave them out because because they're sort of tried and tested or whatever. Um, but I suppose also some of those players will get some winter cricket, which people like Cross and George might not because Brunt's off to the to the women's big bash with Melbourne Stars. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I think it was a bit of a disappointment, especially when West Indies were ringing the changes and trying to make sure that everyone who was on the tour it felt like got a game at some point that England sort of stuck stubbornly with the same 11 more or less um, and, until they were forced into the odd change well to, to borrow Lou's phrase I mean I, I wouldn't have enjoyed the hissy fit from uh, from Shrubsall and Brunt if they had been benched at any stage in this in this, in this competition I mean it's difficult isn't it I mean England England tried it with the men earlier in the summer and that was over the course of six tests let alone five very short matches but um, you know the notion as you say the notion of of being the first choice England player and, and being left out because because the, the the season's been contracted and and we're trying to mix up the opportunities, it doesn't sit easily when 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 you're trying to trying to play international cricket and and put out the best team, especially I suppose in T Twenty, which again is something that um, Josh Butler was talking about. So I spoke to him um, yesterday, and he was saying that England do need to stop mixing it up in T Twenty cricket, especially with the World T Twenties coming up. They've got to play their best team as much as possible. Uh, to ensure that they can get their roles, so I, I can understand why why those fringe players didn't get their opportunities. But um, but yeah, it, it, there are, there's no no easy answers at the moment with the with the pandemic just um, just constricting all schedules and 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 forcing people to cut cut corners, I guess, in their development. Yeah, indeed, uh, well, it was one of the, one of the quirks of the series that uh, Deandre Dossin was the top scorer on either side. Um, and uh, yeah, for England's women, Matt has mentioned the, the some of them are off to the the big bash. It always good to see Catherine Brunt steaming in and uh, presumably uh, hanging on for world events down the line. Um, part of that preparation will be England's planned tour uh, to New Zealand. It's not been officially, officially, officially confirmed yet, but we, we do expect them to be going over there for the for the winter, Matt. Yeah, um, but there's various plans in place. I think there's six players in total flying out on uh, on Saturday to to the WBBL. Um, particularly interested to see Jones and Glenn, who I guess were probably the two stars of this series just gone. Uh, both both playing for Perth Scorchers. 
Um, and there's there's also a possibility that a couple of players will get a go in the uh, women's T20 challenge uh, in, in, the, in UAE, I should say, the sort of um, abbreviated women's IPL, I suppose you could call it, um, in Sophie Eccleston and Danny Wyatt um, are probably the, the most likely to get to get chances. Um, and yeah, the, the New Zealand tour is, I think, all but confirmed at this stage. Um, I, I think New Zealand have confirmed it from their side, but the ECB are yet to yet to do the same. Um, and that may yet turn into a tri-series with Australia, which would again be quite a good um, opportunity to see exactly where England are um, heading into what promises to be, I think, a bumper year in 2022 in particular, where there, there just seem to be world events that every turning point because there's the Commonwealth Games is a 50 over World Cup a 20 over World Cup and you know you, you, you can't breathe for an ICC event that year so uh, yeah I think I think uh, hopefully England will, will be staying busy um, for a while yet yeah I mean, lots of <clears throat> lots of uncertainty around the calendar for the next uh, 12 to 18 months you'd, you'd think but um, for England's men at the moment a lot of it is uh, is IPL based and um we will we will await news on on tours of be it South Africa or India perhaps in the UAE um a, a few months down the line i suppose just before we we wrap up i'll, I'll circle back round to where we started um final day tomorrow it ne- never been rained off or washed out final day uh, a tremendous run uh, since that um, 2003 debut um but you know, let's keep our fingers crossed. And and gents, uh, what are your predictions? We've got Surrey and Gloucestershire, I think, in the first game, and then and then Notts Lancashire. Who's going to come out of those? And then and who's going to ride off with the uh, the trophy into the um, the Birmingham sunset? <laughs> well, a long set by the finish, I'm sure. The longest day in cricket, of course. But where's your uh, where are your picks? Well, my heart says Gloucestershire. I really, I I really would like a like a just a just a good news story to finish finish the year. I think. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I I I was, I remember the their glory days in the turn of millennium when 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 the they had their frozen chicken down on the boundaries edge at, uh, at Lords and would would get overexcited about uh, about every Jack Russell stumping off 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 freak show and and lane. So I'd like I'd like a reprise of that. I'm 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 always fearful of of Nottinghamshire, especially given their their squeaky. <laughs> escape in that in that quarter final it's uh i don't know they they've got they've got an awful lot of experience there and um and i i think you know having come so close to balding it up i i can i can fully imagine someone like alex hales will just uh, grab it given half a chance and then sorry uh, i mean yeah as we saw when jason roy's in form nothing's out of reach but uh, my heart my my heart's very much with Gloucestershire with this one i i i I'd, I'd like a good news story on their front well, there we go on that positive note uh, I, I think that's about it for today's episode um english cricket summer of covid is almost over just time for one last arctic blast at finals day on saturday let's hope it's not too glum in brum my thanks to miller and matt of course and to you all for tuning in please feel free to comment and review via your preferred pod provider and we'll be back soon with more switch it on espncrickinfo.com.